Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. To get all those beef juices flowing, I've got some inspirational beef to begin the program. Some awesomely petty beef. Some of the best beef is petty beef. A beef from the NFL that simply will not die this week. And it's the best kind of beef because not only is it petty beef, it's petty goat beef. It's an incredible combination. A.K.A. beef between goats. More specifically, leftover beef. There's a lot of different kind of beefs going on here, right? Goat beef, leftover beef, petty beef, legendary beef. And all from the AFC Championship between arguably the best kicker ever and arguably the best tight end quarterback combo ever. You know what I'm talking about. We haven't gotten to it yet, but we will right now because it's still ongoing. I cannot get enough of this Justin Tucker versus Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes beef. Again, this has got nothing to do with Mahomes looking beefy. Who cares if that dude has a bona fide dad bod at 28 years of age? Nobody can beat that dad bod. So what difference does it make? Nobody should be talking crap, and especially any of you clones. Let's not act like you're all 4% body fat, all right? Don't even start. I'm not talking about Mahomes looking beefy. I'm talking about this back and forth beefing that's been going on all week with Justin Tucker. And listen, let me say it right off the top. Part of me wants to say, I have never seen anything this stupid. Get this much run. And get players this hooked. Especially players of this magnitude. I mean, it is really dumb. It's absurd. It's idiotic. I mean, yeah, yeah, so what? The kicker was warming up on the Chiefs' side of the field before the game and didn't move his stuff far enough away from Pat so Pat could get his work in. I mean, big deal, right? The ultimate nothing burger, which is pretty much what Justin Tucker had to say after the game. I find it kind of silly that we're even having to address it or talk about something that happened before the game that I really don't see as... A big deal. I just thought it was all just some gamesmanship, um, you know, all in good fun. But they seem to be taking it a little bit more seriously, um, and uh, I'm I'm totally willing to let it all go. But um, yeah, I just wanted to explain that that's just you know what I've done for 12 years, and it's it's not like I'm out there trying to be problematic. I'm just trying to get ready for the football game, just like they are. I mean, on the one hand, he's willing to let it all go. You know why? You got your ass kicked. I'll bet you if you won that game, you would not be so quick to let it all go. You know how I know that? The other guys are not letting it go. But what he says does sound pretty reasonable, right? And it is pretty reasonable. Except here is the problem. Mahomes and Kelsey did actually take it seriously. You can debate whether or not they should, but they did. So they didn't think that it was nothing, and they're not willing to let it all go. In fact, it seems like they're never going to let it go. You can call it silly. You can call it petty. You can call it whatever you want. And by the way, if you called it all those things, you'd be right. But it legit 
pissed those two dudes off. And pissing those two dudes in particular off before the AFC Championship game is a pretty stupid idea. These two dudes are the last two dudes that you want to piss off before that game. Again, the whole thing is so stupid, but that's what makes it so awesome. Petty always is awesome, and especially when it involves legends and when those legends are goats. We all know about these types, these ultra-competitive, ultra-alphas. They fixate. They will jump on anything for any kind of edge or any kind of motivation. We all know the goats are generally petty. In fact, unusually petty. We all know MJ did it. Even my dude, Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Hey, Jim Rome. Hey, Steph Curry. Hey, Jim Rome. Hey, Steph Curry. Hey, Jim Rome. Hey, Petty King. And by the way, that's self-gloss. He's the only one who gets away with it. I don't call him that. He calls himself that. Steph proudly wears the crown. He calls himself the Petty King. And it's awesome that he does. Again, this is what the goatish types do. It's part of what makes them goats. They will look for anything they can to get that edge, which is why generally it's not that smart to give goatish types any fuel whatsoever, let alone going out and seeking them out to play some silly warm-up mind games. Yeah, I know Tucker thinks that it was not a big deal. But Tucker didn't understand that it really wasn't up to him to decide whether or not it was a big deal because clearly it was a big deal to Patrick and Travis. They said so. They won't stop saying so. I mean, did Tucker really think? And the one thing he did own, he said it was just gamesmanship. It was just gamesmanship. My man, you might be the best kicker ever. In fact, you are. You are. But did you really think you were going to get into Patrick Mahomes' head or under Travis Kelsey's skin with this so-called gamesmanship, at least to the point of taking them off their game? What, was Patrick just going to fall apart, get distracted, and suddenly turn into Mitch Trubisky because you wouldn't move your kicking tee? Mitch Trubisky. Nice try, Tuck. Great idea, Tuck. So what about Pat? Here's Pat's side of the story from a hit on 610 Sports Radio in KC this week. I've had like seven years of, of kind of doing that same warm-up routine, and there's only been, a, I think, like three occasions where there's been a kicker that wasn't uh, – because uh, you usually talk to the guys, there's been a kicker that wasn't necessarily moving out the way, or you, you weren't kind of sharing the field um, in the right way. And, I mean, it was in Baltimore all three times. So um, I, he does that little stuff, I think, to try to get under our skin. And I asked him to move his stuff, and he and he got up and moved it. I think two inches, um, but but didn't move it out of the way. And I I was gonna kind of let it slide, but Travis kind of got it and moved it for me. And then after that, I wasn't gonna let him put it back down. I mean, honestly, it, it's amazing in how stupid it all is, and it's amazing in how stupid it all is, how awesome it actually all is. I mean, it's so hilarious to me that this dude is even thinking about any of this, let alone stewing about it days after winning that game. It's also such a dumb mind game in the first place. 
Again, far be it for me to tell Justin Tucker how to play mind games with other teams, but come on. Did you really think that was going to work in his favor? That moving his helmet six inches was just going to throw Pat off his game? That that was going to get in his head, under his skin? That that was going to disrupt him or phase him in any way? That he was just going to turn into Chad Henney? The only thing that was ever going to do, that mind game, was piss Pat off. And then he would use it as motivation, which is exactly what happened. So, sorry, Tuck, you are the best kicker ever, but your attempt at gamesmanship was so far right, it ended up in the seats. Dude, you're just lucky you didn't piss off your own quarterback by pissing off the other quarterback. You're just lucky that Lamar did not come out this week and hit you with, quote, our idiot kicker like Pinky famously did back in the day. Here we are. I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot kicker who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot kickers. He has ruined kickers for life. Akers and Vinatieri, these guys are great guys. They've been getting killed all week because our idiot ran his mouth. So when I get home, I'll deal with it. Tony and I talked about it. It's kind of funny, really, when you think about it. If he is still a teammate, we'll deal with it. You know, that remains to be seen. But the sad thing is, Lynn, he's a good kicker. He's a good kicker, but he's an idiot. What an amazing moment. The greatest moment in Pro Bowl history. Ask me, that's the reason why the Pro Bowl existed another 30 years after, because of that. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody. The entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? What if Lamar had come out with, you know, Tucker is the greatest kicker ever. He's won so many games, but what an idiot. Here I am taking all this heat for being a big choker when in reality it's his fault. It's not my fault. I didn't hold on to the ball too long. I didn't turn the ball over. It's not my fault that I missed a lot of throws that I normally make. It's the idiot kicker messing with the best quarterback ever and the best tight end ever in the end zone before the game. He's an idiot. And we'll see if he still has a job next week. I'm surprised Lamar didn't come out with that. Listen, I'm not saying that's why the Chiefs won the game or anything like that. The Chiefs won the game because the Ravens took a big dump in their pants. That's why the Chiefs won the game. And they're better. But considering the fact that the Chiefs are still talking about this means that that was not nothing. 
and it did not help the Ravens at all. And judging by what Travis had to say on New Heights this week, it does not seem like he's about to forget the incident anytime soon either. If you want to be a fucking dick about it, you keep your helmet and your football and your fucking <laughs> kicking tee right where the quarterbacks are warming up and they're yeah. dropping. Eyes are looking left and they got a, a helmet down by their feet. It's actually kind of dangerous, really, but... Like, if you're not going to pick that up, I'll happily move that for you. Justin came out, and he said it was more of a joking gesture and kind of a fun competitive, and I get it. I mean, he was kind of winking at me, like, being a about it, like, trying to get under the skin. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. I get it, it but it got under me, skin and, a little me bit. and Pat, we were, we've been having the same mentality for this game all week long, man. Yeah. And it was, uh, you got to go in there and, and, and have the right mind frame have yeah. the right mindset, and we just weren't in a joking mood. Um, we yep. were ready to get after it. I'm going to tell you something. People like to ask me, what do you think of athletes having their own platform? What do you think of athletes having their own podcast? What do you think of athletes going right to consumer? If they're going to do it like that, I'm all for it. I mean, I'm all for it anyway. But him coming out and saying, if you're going to be a bleeping bleep about it, and then calling him a bleep again. If you want to be a fucking dick about it, that is incredible. Also, again, if you want to call this petty or silly or drawn out, you're not wrong. But you have to respect these dudes on some level. These dudes, he just made this very clear, they were not there to grab ass. They were not there to play grab ass. They were there to kick ass. And kick ass they did. And beat ass they did. And eliminate some ass and send some ass home they did. Baltimore might want to say, this is all a bit much. These dudes are sore winners. They're being babies. But none of that changes the fact that they got their asses beat at home when they were a one seed, when this was supposed to be their year. So say whatever you want about Kelsey and Mahomes, but they just win, win, win. win. Call them petty, call this embarrassing, call it over the top. Fine. They're just going to direct you to the scoreboard. They're going to point up at it. They're going to tell you to look at it, and then they're going to whip out their rings, and then you'll have nothing to say in response. I have one more thing to say. Memo two, Frisco kicker. Yo, Jake Moody. Yo, Rook. Stay out of Pat's way in Vegas, my dude. I can't even imagine how bent those two will get if a rookie tries to pull this crap. Look how bent they are over the goat pulling this crap. The last thing you want is those two burying you for the entire offseason after they win another one. You could even end up being the villain in a future Taylor Swift song. I'm just saying, watch your back around these dudes, Rook. Do not be playing any mind games with those goats, Rook. The kicking goat should have known better. Then again, maybe the goat wants to keep this beef going and take a swing back at this point. He does have some decent material to work with, a.k.a. that viral Chiefs postgame locker room footage, a.k.a. the one with the quarterback love handles. If Tucker really wants to land another blow and keep this beef going, there's only one way I think he could pull it off. He should do it here, today, in the beef segment. He should. He should hit, hit me up. Yo, 
Jay Tuck, if you're listening, send me a beef right now. Something along the lines of, yo, Rome, my beef is with people who can't handle some light gamesmanship. Hey, Kermit, my hamburgers. Urgh, Fatrick. At least my dad bod didn't go viral this week. Hashtag fat. Alvin, hit the alarm. Thanks, Rome. Love the show. Signed, Justin Tucker. My dude, if you did that, I would declare you the winner in this epic goat beef. Right on the spot. Otherwise, there is no denying you took a pretty big L right there. And you're still taking that big L because these two dudes will not let it go. It's so petty. It's so awesome. I love it so much. Oh, and for Kermit, credit for rolling with those viral pics with his shirt off. He tweeted, yo, well, he X'd, yo, why they have to do me like that? Hashtag dad bod season. Let's just say in a couple of years, as Takeo Spikes has described it, Patrick is going to be the guy in the pool with his shirt still on. Well, you know what? I always said that when I'm done, I really want to let it go for a year. But then seeing some of my guys who, who let it go for a year and then they tried to get it back, they can't get it back, man. I can't be walking around here with a big stomach, you know, and, and summertime, you want to get out there and take the shirt off. You don't want to be the only guy in the pool wrong with the T-shirt on now. Hell you know no. So, you know, you got you to be ready to flex, man. You know, you got to have some good Twitter pictures and everything, you know. Yeah, I don't think uh, Old Tequila's got anything to worry about, man. My man looks like he could still go. Anyway, I spent a lot of time on something really petty, but petty is awesome. If you want to be a fucking dick about it, Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the code Rome. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with the code Rome. The crown is yours. You do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-889-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age, varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Brian Hoyer is joining us to change the culture, the dynamic, and the energy of that team as dramatically and as quickly as he did. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was a unique situation for me personally. I, I went out to Las Vegas to play for Josh McDaniels. I have a great relationship with him. And, you know, when he was let go and AP stepped in, I thought AP did a great job of, you know, bringing passion and energy and in a weird way, understanding, having been a former player himself, how to connect with guys. And, and that was pretty cool for me to sit there and watch as the, as the weeks went on to see a guy who, you know, he himself has stated that he was born a Raider and really embraced the Raider way and that culture. And, and I think guys responded in a great way. So, you know, I have a lot of respect for AP. I actually played against him my rookie year. So to have a coach, you know, be your head coach and a guy you played with and have a lot of respect for was um, – 
was cool for me to witness. Yeah, I could see. I, I understand how that's a tough spot for you to be in. In fact, I was going to say, I don't want to put you in that spot, but I know you and Josh are close. In fact, Brian, I'll be straight. I, I know Josh. I like Josh. I love that hire. I really thought that he would be successful there, especially as a second-time head coach. Why do you think that it didn't work out for Josh with the Raiders? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, when I look at it, I was only there for a limited time. I wasn't there for his first year. But Josh is an offensive genius. I've learned so much from him throughout my career and my time with him. And when I had an opportunity to go play for him, you know, I jumped at it because it was something for me that, you know, his system and his philosophies I really believe in. And, you know, some, sometimes, you know, things don't take the right turns and, and decisions are made. And, you know, I, I was, you know, shocked how quickly that was. I feel like, I don't know, what was that, the fifth or sixth game of the year, and wake up to that news. And, you know, obviously I felt for him and, and his family, but, you know, I, I've been cut before. It's part, unfortunately it's, it's, it's part of the business and, you know, people see a lot of the great sides of the business. There's a lot of the, uh, of downsides too. And, you know, so for me, it was, like I said, it was a unique uh, opportunity and, and having, you know, played against AP and you, you see why he was such an integral part of those special giants teams. He's just the natural leader and, and, you know, so I, even though I, I'm a guy who went out there to play for Josh, I can appreciate AP and, and what he did and, you know, his, you know, energy and philosophy, too. Brian Hoyer is joining us. So, Brian, the Raiders are the last team to beat the Chiefs this season after your win at Arrowhead on Christmas Day. After struggling with consistency throughout the entire regular season, how do you think KC was able to elevate their play so dramatically and especially in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, I was working out this morning, and they had, I think Andy Reid was on the Pat McAfee show, and he was talking about how, you know, when they lost to us on Christmas Day, it really, you know, lit a fire under his team, and, and they've really, you know, bounced back from that ever since. And, you know, when you look at it, you look at the experience they have on that team, especially with Pat at quarterback. Um, you know, when you have great leaders like that on your team, you're able to bounce back, and you're able to rally around guys like that. And, you know, to be able to see, you know, where they've taken it to in, in the past few weeks and, and um, you see guys like Kelsey and, and um, you know, Chris Jones and those guys leading that team. I mean, it's, it's funny, after playing for the Patriots for so long, I know why, you know, people hated them so much. And, and you watch the Chiefs, and it's like every time you think they're down and out, um, you know, they, their leaders bring them back. And obviously, you know, here they are in another Super Bowl. And speaking on leaders, you got Patrick Mahomes, who's got a chance to win his third Super Bowl by the age of 28. Now, you played with Tom Brady for a number of years in New England. If Mahomes wins another ring this year, does that move him into the conversation of being one of the best ever already with a chance to potentially run down Brady himself? I mean, definitely. I mean, you look at Pat and what he's done. I mean, it just I have greater appreciation for him. You know, having been around Tom and, um, you know, you talk about this like, you know, when we played, you know, for the Patriots and Tom Brady's your quarterback, you go into every game believing that you can win the game. And, and I think that's when you look at the Chiefs, they probably feel the same way. Um, you know, there's such different types of players. Obviously, Pat has scrambled around making crazy throws and Tom was, you know, in the pocket. But I think it comes down to their competitiveness. And, and you know, they basically, you know, make the guys around them rise to their level. And, and so there's, you know, a lot of comparisons when it comes to that. But their playing styles, you know, so different. I actually joked with Pat before one of our games this year. I said, it's always my favorite week to be the scout team quarterback when we play against you guys. Cause I'm attempting stuff that I would never dream of. I'm, I'm, you know, trying no look passes. I'm throwing the ball left-handed. I'm dropping back 15 yards and trying to throw it as far as I can. And, you know, he's, he has such a unique style of play. And, and, you know, I think coach Reed, you know, allows him to do those things, you know, to the best of his ability. And, and, you know, every year when it comes to playoff time, he just takes it to another level and, 
and uh, the team, you know, kind of builds around that. That's a great anecdote you just shared. I love that. Brian Hoyer joining us. Brian, since you know Tom Brady as well as you do, having spent all that time with him in the quarterback room, how do you think he's going to do as a broadcaster next season? For instance, do you think he's going to cut it loose and show us a side of his personality that maybe we haven't seen or don't know? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, I, obviously I have the, the privilege and, and uh, pleasure to call him a friend and, and know who he is as a person outside of football. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy who has, I mean, questionably, you know, the most football knowledge of, of any person that I've ever met. I mean, along there with Coach Belichick. And, and for him to give his perspective, especially from the quarterback position, I know how many people love listening to Tony Romo. And I think, you know, they, he Tony does it in a way for, for the fans to understand. And as players, we sit there and listen to him. And you listen to Tony, and he understands what's going on. And I think, you know, Tom will bring that type of analysis to the to the, the broadcast booth. Um and, you know, I think he'll do anything that Tom Brady's going to do, he's going to do to the highest level. So I'm sure it'll be great. And I think fans will get to kind of see, you know, what, what made Tom tick as a quarterback. Because I'm sure that'll come out as he's announcing the games. Brian Hoyer joining us. Brian, you mentioned Bill Belichick. What do you make of him getting shut out of this coaching cycle? What's your reaction to that? And why do you think that is? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, uh, obviously those those positions get filled up pretty quickly and I'm sure knowing Bill and, and having been around him he was probably very particular in what he was looking for as as an organization to go to and you know whether that's having control and on the the GM front or whatever that might be and so sometimes maybe it's just not the right fit and you know obviously as a football fan as a guy who has learned so much from him I think you know for everyone we want to see him you know go out there and, and break that record and so maybe having a year off allows him to do that and go to a, an organization that he thinks is fit. We're talking to Brian Hoyer for another moment or two. So, Brian, you know Kyle Shanahan's system really, really well, having played for him or around him with both the Browns and the Niners. How do you see the matchup of Kyle and the way he's going to try to attack that Kansas City defense, which is as good as it's been in quite some time? How do you see him attacking that defense, and what do you think that Spags' response will be? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, we, we mentioned Josh already, but Kyle's probably the, the second biggest influence on my career, especially offensively. I learned so much from him, and the way he prepares is, is, is uh, you know, pretty uh, unreal. And, and um, you know, the way he calls games is different than any other player, any other coach that I've played for. You know, he's he's got his call sheet, but he's watching the game and he's seeing, you know, how the end close on that outside zone is. He can I can I call a boot? Are the linebackers getting sucked up on the run? Can I get run a run action? And so I think you know that's to me when I look at this game. Um, you know, it's it's Kyle versus Spags, and and you know, two weeks of preparation for both both game plan, offense, defense, and, you know, it's going to be, and I remember Kyle saying this, like, I'm never going to abandon the run game. And obviously when you have Christian McCaffrey, you don't want to, but if I can get in enough plays where I get the, the defense to suck up and throw some explosive play action passes behind them, which, you know, you see Brock Purdy does such a great job of, you know, so I think, you know, that's going to be a balance of, you know, staying with the run game, running, 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 play action pass, and when it comes to Spags having gone against him, you know, he's a, he's a very game plan oriented defensive coordinator. So is it going to be more zone? Is it going to be more man coverage? Are you going to play, you know, eight in the box to try to take away the run? And, and you know, when Kyle sees that, he's going to try to go to the play action pass. So, you know, that's the matchup I'm really looking forward to because you give Kyle Shanahan two weeks 
um, to game plan, he's going to come up with some great stuff. This is really good stuff right here. One last thought. You mentioned Brock Purdy. I mean, Brian, never mind is this guy a system quarterback or a game manager. He was the last player taken in the draft. Can you explain how this dude has been able to overcome such long odds to be the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl in just his second season? I think we're losing track of that fact. Yeah, I mean, I look, look, I mentioned Kyle and his game planning ability, and, and if he can get a quarterback who goes out there and executes the plays that he wants him to. I remember, you know, one time, I don't know if it was in Cleveland or San Francisco, and there was a play Kyle and I were talking over, and I said, okay, but what if the defense does this? And Kyle looked at me and goes, don't worry, I studied him up, I'll call it at the right time. And, you know, so Kyle has that confidence, and, and he, obviously Brock has done a great job of learning from Kyle and going out and executing the plays that in the way that Kyle wants him to do. And so he's surrounded by great players, but still, you know, you have to go out there and like you mentioned, the last player, you know, taken in the draft, he's done an, an unbelievable job for himself and for that organization. And, the, and I'm sure he would probably credit a lot, of, a lot to Kyle's, you know, coaching and, and the players, you know, playing around him. He just wrapped up his 15th season in the NFL. This after signing as an undrafted free agent coming out of college out of Michigan State with the Pats. Been a great football life so far. More where there's more of that, I'm sure, too, still ahead. Brian, really good to have you on the show. Great to talk some ball with you. Appreciate that, man. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks, Jim. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. All right, so let's talk about the Jets for a minute because it's been a minute since we checked in with the preseason's most fascinating team. S Jets, Jets, Jets. Way to go, James. I I know that's a tough word to spell. J E T. J E T. Give me a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I got it. Jets is not hard to spell. Anyway, they were the most intriguing, most interesting team in the league in the preseason. And that lasted for all of four snaps. But I'll give the Jets this much. Not only could they pull off going from being legitimately exciting and interesting right back to being the Jets in just four plays, they did that. That's not easy to do, but the Jets did that. But if you thought that they were an absolute bleep show last year, you're not wrong. But apparently it was so much worse than we could have possibly known. At least that's the sense you get after reading Diana Russini and Zach Rosenblatt's takedown of them in The Athletic yesterday. Because damn, that was rough. That was rough. Rough on everybody. Nobody looks good. In fact, everybody looks bad. I mean, they got to be so pissed. They have to be so pissed about that story over at One Jets Drive right about now. I mean, I'm not even saying that the piece is not fair. I'm not saying that the piece is not accurate. In fact, nothing in that piece that I saw surprises me at all. It's all pretty incredible. But it all seems pretty factionable. Factionate. It all seems... Thank you, Albie. The almonds. It all seems like it's factual And it all seems believable. So when I say I bet they're pissed, it's not because it's inaccurate, but because it's out there. And why do I think they're pissed? Because 
if you look at that story, look at the head coach. Look at the way he's perceived. They're talking about how bent the head coach gets over negativity in the media, which is not great for the Jets head coach. Because negativity in the media is literally baked into being the head coach of the New York Jets. That's part of the job. That's part of what you sign up for. The one thing the head coach of the New York Jets cannot have is the one thing that Robert Sala apparently does have. Rabbit ears. This is a direct quote from the piece. Behind closed doors, the vibes weren't always positive, especially when Sala would see negative press reports. He would often bring up how, in his mind, the Giants don't get as much negative coverage as the Jets calling it unfair. End of quote. I mean, if that in and of itself is not a gigantic red flag wrapped in a slow-mo Carl Lewis, I don't know what is. That's not good. That's below not good. It's not fair. How come they're not picking on the Giants like they are us? That's so uncool. Hey, look. uh, I don't care what job you have in the NFL. That comes with every one of those jobs in the NFL. But especially that job. The one thing you cannot have happen. You cannot let the back pages get you all bent out of shape. You cannot be comparing media coverage of your team to media coverage of the alleged Tiffany organization. I mean, that is a terrible look and a terrible sign to send your staff, right? Because that's mentally weak. This guy's supposed to be the toughest guy physically and the toughest guy mentally, and he's out here getting hooked and reading media coverage and complaining about how unfair it is. And believe me, that was far from the only red flag in that story. This report was essentially a long string of red flags all tied together into a long rope that can be used to strangle any hope that the Jets fans might have for next season. For instance, anything having to do with Nate can't hack it was really bad who somehow survived to coordinate another season, even though last season was a total disaster for the Jets' offense. And come to find out, it was even worse than it looked on the field, which is hard to believe because on the field, it looked heinous. It looked horrible. Here were all of the issues with Nate Can't Hack It that were listed in the story. Give me a minute. One, the scheme was too catered to Aaron. So once Aaron went down, the guy had no response. Two, Aaron constantly overruled Hackett in camp. Three, Hackett showed no urgency in preseason to fix the offensive line issues. Four, he also didn't really make the team grind practice tape from camp like most teams do. Five, he could not adjust the offense after Aaron went down. Six, He procrastinated with game plans and waited until the last minute to finalize the game plan. And seven, he struggled to make in-game adjustments. All those things mentioned. And I'm sure there were more. I lost count. Everybody looked really bad in that piece, but can't hack it probably looked the worst. Not that Robert receipts came off very well either. Taking receipts. Because then there's this whole saga with Coog Hunter, 
Remember the Coog Hunter not wanting to take the ball after he got benched? And we all went in on him. Remember that? Then all the leaks came out. And according to this article, those leaks really, really aggravated Robert Receipts. It showed, it showed Robert Rabbit Ears. It showed how paranoid this guy is. So Robert Rabbit Ears, quote, held a meeting with his staff two days later where he asked the leaker to reveal himself, according to multiple people in attendance. Quote, if you come forward now, you won't get in trouble, he told them while threatening to take their cell phones. Staffers were bemused by Sala's obsession with the Wilson story and his reaction to it. End of quote. I'll tell you what. I'm bemused by his obsession with it. Who wouldn't be? I'm bemused by both his obsession and his attempted solution. He seriously threatened to take their phones. Grown-ass men. I'll take your phones. I'll take your phone so fast I'll make your head spin. Hey, hey, if you come forward right now, you won't get in trouble. Dude, are you an NFL head coach or a middle school math teacher? That's like some crap that Pervin Liar would come up with. It's Alabama every week. I'll take your phones, and if you come forward right now, you will not get in trouble. Everybody, close your eyes. Tight. And I want the rat to raise his hand. Or I'll rip all your phones. That one rat is going to ruin it for everybody. How much respect do you think they lost for him when he was acting like that? His piece was so bad for Bob Sala and can't hack it that it actually made the Coog Hunter look pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to make that dude's life hell in practice every day. According to the piece, Bob told Coog he was basically done as a Jet after week 12 and that they were going to move him in the offseason. This is why Coog was not all that thrilled to come back and try to save the team two weeks later. He was told, we're done with you. We're done with you. You're not going to play. We're going to move you. And then they come back and say, "Hey, hey, by the way, we need you. And on top of that, the last thing he wanted to do was play behind that jacked-up offensive line that can't hack it, couldn't fix. He was afraid of getting hurt. And in the end, he was right. He did get hurt. He got concussed. So it's still hilarious that this dude did not want the ball, considering he had nothing to save himself for. He needed to go out there to try to save his career. He had to, right? Which is ultimately what he did. But it's a lot more understandable now why he pushed back. We all thought he was just being a punk ass and not doing the right thing and being super selfish and doing it in the interest of self-preservation. You know, part of that's true. But what we didn't know was they told him, you're done, man. You are done. You're not playing again. We're going to move you. You're done. Hey, 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 we need you to go play. Essentially, the team is a bleep show. And they were every bit the bleep show behind the scenes that they were on the field. If anything, they were even more of a mess behind the scenes than they were on the field. A bleeping mess, as one Jets coach was quoted as saying. There's one anonymous, well, they're all anonymous, 
But there's one Jets coach in this piece that said, it's just such an effing mess. Something has to change. The problem is nothing did change. Bob is still the head coach. Joe Douglas is still the assistant GM. Er, the GM. Another great quote in that piece. There was a quote in that piece from another AFC general manager who said, Rodgers isn't the assistant GM. Joe Douglas is the assistant GM. That one cracked me up. So Bob is still the HC. Douglas is still the GM. And 40-year-old Aaron is still plan A at QB. Something has to change. I definitely agree. But instead, the Jets are like, run it back. Run it back. But run it back with a 40-year-old quarterback coming off a shredded Achilles. With all the same people around him. I mean, Aaron should make a difference. But if you thought he was a savior before 39, now you're counting on him to be a savior at 40, coming off that injury with all that dysfunction. You know, this piece makes it sound like they handed over the keys to the kingdom and the franchise to Aaron, but then Aaron was done four plays in. And there was no plan B. There was no function for the organization. Certainly no leadership, according to this piece. So how different could next year really be if they're not making changes? So I'm not surprised by anything I saw in that piece. I am entertained by everything I saw in that piece. But believe me, you know, it'll fade, but it won't be forgotten. They got to be so pissed. If they were pissed about bad media coverage, how pissed do you think they are over that media coverage? Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We are joined by Rick Barnes. Rick, it's been a minute, but it's great to have you back. Rick, how are you? It's great. Great to hear your voice, Jim. You been doing okay? Yeah, things are great here. Rick, how about you? How you feeling? I, good. You know what? We obviously uh, had a chance to win one the other night, but we didn't get it done. And credit to South Carolina, they had the same opportunity, and they did get it done. But now we got to head up to Kentucky, and you know they're coming off a tough loss at home, and so you got two teams that certainly don't want to lose. Two back-to-back, but somebody's going to, right? Yeah, you know that, Rick. I was going to ask you about South Carolina, but first I was going to say, you know, with the season moving as quickly as it is, we're already into the month of March, which means, or February, which means March is right around the corner. How do you feel about your team overall at this stage of the season and what you have? (laughs) Well, you know, we've had, we had a very long non-conference schedule. We played a brutal non-conference schedule, and then we, we went to Maui, which, as you know, it was moved over to the uh, Big Island, and then we uh, came back and had the, the challenge. But uh, we had a really demanding non-league schedule, which I think helped us. But 
and we didn't have everybody all the time all the way through that early season. But as we're getting into the league play here, the one thing that you can always talk about is consistency and trying to get everybody to know what you're going to get every night. And that doesn't mean you know making shots every night. It's just knowing what's going to each player is going to do when he shows up. And we've got to get better there, along with every part of the game. You know, whether you talk about ball screen defense or any of that, we've got we've got to continue to get better. We're talking to Rick Barnes. You know, Rick, you mentioned that, yeah, there's some nights where shots are not going to fall. You mentioned that loss to South Carolina. You had a four-game winning streak. Was that a case of that was just one of those nights, right? Shots did not fall. Or maybe were you more disappointed with the energy or the effort? No, I don't I don't think I was disappointed with the energy or the effort. I, I was disappointed we, we missed 10 layups right mm-hmm. at the rim and had a, did a really poor job on the free throw line. That's two games back-to-back that uh, even when the win against Vanderbilt, we didn't – do what we should do with the, we getting the right shooters on the line and they're not taking advantage of it the way we need to. But uh, we just, uh, again, didn't rebound the way we're capable of rebounding the other night. But it was the, the missed opportunities around the rim that really did us in. And we didn't have a great shooting night. But uh, what we don't want to get into is everybody standing around watching Dalton Connect go score points, and uh, which he's not afraid and he's good at it. But we need to get back to where we have the balance and when, when we need him to you know, take it over. We know he's capable of doing it. In fact, you just took one of my questions. I was going to ask you about that very thing. Rick Barnes is joining us. For those who don't know, Dalton Connect has not missed very much this season. He had 31 against South Carolina. That gives him six straight games with 25 points or more. How much of a catalyst has he been for your program since coming from Northern Colorado? And where would you slot him in the National Player of the Year race? Well, what I would say to you, Jim, is that, you know, what he, uh, he's been a great addition to us because, you know, the last couple of years we've, we have struggled scoring the basketball. You know, we've been a pretty elite defensive team, but we, you know, you got to put the ball in the basket or you're going to get into a grind every night. And, and what, uh, he has done, even along with Jordan Ganey, uh, Jordan led the nation in three point shooting. You know, his dad's on our staff and he's got it going back. He struggled like, you know, shooters can at times. But when you look at Dalton and what he's doing, because there is no doubt, I mean, you, you think about it, you look at him when teams get ready to scout us, they're looking at him, so, okay, we got we got to control this guy some way, or they make up their mind, we're going to let him get all he can get and shut everybody else down, which I don't think many teams do it that way. But uh, right now, I'm not sure there's anybody playing at any higher level than Dalton is in the country. All right, to your point, though, you want to make sure that you know he's going to get his. You know he's going to be dynamic, but you want to make sure that as you want his guys to get him the ball in certain spots, but you don't want them to defer too much. You want to make sure they stay aggressive because what you don't want, right, is having these guys standing around and watching the Dalton show. Am I right? You're right, and, and, again, and, and again, when he gets going, when those guys start doing that, then as you know from a – offensive player's mindset if he gets going he's thinking score now where he's missing some guys that might be open but it wouldn't be to that point if those guys would take their shots and do what we know they're capable of doing but because once we tell him man you got to go get this done I mean he's focused on getting fouled or creating contact or you know just scoring the basketball so it's a combination of uh, early that everybody does their job and like I said we started out the other night with a point blank layup that we missed and then it just, uh, and then we actually had three of them right around the rim. Then we take three threes, and it, it's almost like I would say to the team, you know, it's like fumbling the ball three times in football, and then the next three possessions you're trying to throw the hail mary, mm-hmm. and uh, and they and they were good shots, you know, the three, but it it'd have been a lot better if we'd have made one or two of those layups, you know.
I do know. Tennessee head basketball coach Rick Barnes joining us. So you're getting ready to head to Rupp Arena to take on a Kentucky team that John Calipari has got in the top 10. What do you think the biggest challenges are from this edition of the Wildcats? Well, again, I can tell you, first of all, they got a, a great basketball coach in Cal, and, and you know he does a great job. Of, uh, this year he's got a really, I think, has done a great job blending some young guys in with some older guys, and and his older guys, I think, have gotten better too. And you know, he he was down two players last night against uh, a, a really good Florida basketball team. That I don't care, you go on the road in any league and win, you've done something. And uh, but John has his teams, and and I like to think that we're in this group too. We can get so much better, and we need to because I can tell you, his team will continue to get better. You know, Rick, you look at it, it's a big weekend, right? It's not just the the game that you have, which is a battle of a couple of top tens. You've also got monster matchups in Houston and Kansas. You've got Purdue and Wisconsin. Duke and North Carolina are going to renew their rivalry as well. Given all the years that you've invested in the game, everything you've seen, how would you describe the state and health of the college game right now? Could you make the argument that the sport is as vibrant as you've seen it? I would say it is, Jim, all because of the transfer portal. Everybody now, you know, when you start talking about the transfer portal and the NIL, you know, if someone asks you, you know, what's most important, and we all know that recruiting is the lifeblood of your program, and that's number one priority anytime you're trying to build a program. And and with the NIL now, and and, uh, you look at the addition of Dalton on our team and Jordan Ganey, and you look around the job that uh, uh, Lamont Parrish has done, I mean, I can go around the league. Uh, you know, Chris Beard, a bunch of guys have done a great job using the portal. And, and like I said, I'm not sure really this time of year I'd call a lot of upsets upsets I, I, because everybody's getting better to get in league play. It's tough. and But I do think right now college basketball is as competitive as it's ever been in the time that I've been in it. Hmm. Rick Barnes joining us. Rick, what about NIL? For instance, when you signed that contract extension in September, you'd express gratitude for having a shared vision of the program with your AD, Danny White. Danny's been pretty vocal that NIL reform is long overdue as the NCAA investigates Tennessee football. Would you like to see stronger regulations to create a level playing field? Because in some ways it still feels like NIL is like the wild, wild west out there. Well, you know, I think, I mean, there are regulations, but I do think it is because there's no cap for any one goal, right? I mean, uh, you know, the, you can create what you want to do with your collective, I guess, and go through it. Uh, but I, I don't know where, I don't think anybody knows where it's going to end up right now, Jim. I really don't. I just think the NCAA drug their foot on this thing for years, and that's why we are where we are today. If they, You know, in my 50 years in coaching, I've never been in a more – seen a more inconsistent, you know, organization than the way they've drugged their feet, the enforcement people with all this stuff, you know. And uh, where it's going to end up and land, I, I don't know. I don't think anybody truly knows other than I know this, that Danny White is one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. He's a, just a tremendous AD. And our leadership here at the University of Tennessee, they're going to uh, – there's never been a place more in, in – institutional control in this place and uh, but what's going on out there right now in all the sports is uh I'm not sure anybody knows exactly where it is. It, Rick, it's really interesting to hear you say my 50 years of coaching. Like, for instance, I've been thinking about personally, and I've been talking out loud quite a bit about mindset and about performance and the fact that I want to make sure the next 25 years of my life are actually the best 25 years of my life. And I'm trying to embrace all that comes with that. 
you know, you just mentioned 50 years. I'm curious, you're still at the very top of your game. You're still at the very top of your sport. I'm curious about your mindset. How do you stay motivated and maintain that same level of energy after everything you've already accomplished and after you've done it for as long as you have? It's the players, honestly, Jim. I mean, I know this. The day that I get to where I don't enjoy walking in the locker room and having a good day with those guys and going on the court and practicing and being around and helping those guys, I want them to get everything they can out of basketball. You know, our job is to teach basketball to those guys. It's their job to learn it. And I get if I ever get to a point where I don't get excited about that, I would know it's time to let an, let another jockey have the reins. You know, and <laughs> let another jockey have the reins. So Tennessee is fifteen and five. They're five and two. They've got a big one coming up. They are number five in the AP poll. They've got Kentucky coming up this weekend. Who is ranked tenth? Rick Barnes joining us on the show. Rick, it was long overdue. It's great to hear your voice. Great to have you on the show. Thanks so much, and good luck this weekend. Thank you, and God bless. Talk to you later. You can beef about anything you want, sports or non-sports. Just no JN beef. No toilet beef. That's it. No bathroom beef. Anything else, fair game. Let's go to Houston. Daniel. Daniel, what's your beef? Rome, thanks so much for the line. My beef is with sorry Dan Campbell, apologist Lions fan, man. As a diehard fan, that dude absolutely gutted us, and the only way it happened was going for that first fourth down. Forget all the dumb plays he made. Going for that first fourth down, you go up three scores, we're going to make it. The kicker was frigging perfect through the playoffs. Everyone talks about all these ridiculous stats. Now we get on social media, and these idiots are like, if you're going to be negative, just go away. My man, nothing wrong with the beef other than the length. Not a very good call. State your beef. Get out. Get in, get out. If you want to make a phone call later on in the program, make a phone call. The beef segment is more rapid fire. It's more quick hitting, or at least it's supposed to be. That's why you got run. Not for anything you said, but for how long it took you to say it. Let's go to Salt Lake. Brian, in Salt Lake, good to have you. Brian, what is your beef? Romy, thanks, man. My beef is with sobriety. I haven't had a drink in seven years, and in that time, I've never been able to get off on the jungle. I used to day drink, call. I talk about pool towel for two and a half minutes. Now I just usually hang up before I get on the air. War Alvy getting a cameo charging 25 bucks a pop. My man, you made the right choice. Better to be sober and congrats. Congrats on seven years of sobriety. I know that when you were not sober, you had more fun with the show. And you were able to participate with the show. But there are more important things than the show. Namely, I don't know, your sobriety. Congratulations. Why don't we weigh this thing out? Making an ass of yourself in the jungle. Being sober. Being an ass in the jungle. Being sober. Dude, you're doing the right thing. That's, that, that is not something you should have a beef with. Let's go to, I mean, and Congrats. Well done. Let's go to Akron. Mark, good to have you, Mark. What's your beef? Hey, Jimbo. My beef is with the overuse and misuse of the term walk-off. When Dennis Eckersley coined the phrase, it meant just there's nothing else to do but walk off the field. If an outfielder is making a play on a batted ball, that's not a walk-off. And now it's bled over into football. Walk-off field goal, walk-off touchdown. 
You're Jimmy Rome on the horn. A bold pontificator has been born. You're the most loved. You're the most hated. In my house, you're the most celebrated. Every day we're all in the room so we can tune in to sports and buffoon. Real sports fans all gather around because we all dig what Romy lays down. Hey, Jumbo, your voice is so blind. The ladies all love you for your body and my mind. Bates here, your voice on the TV show. They know it's time to get ready, set, go. Some guys are jealous of your style and class. That's why some end up on their ass. But I didn't call to give you no crap. I just called to preach my gullible rap. Come on. Yo, man, walk off on that. Mark and Akron. 1-800-636-8686. That's no beef. That was nothing but love. All right, let's go to Tommy. Here's the the thing. Like I said, the beef is supposed to be, by format, a rapid-fire segment. I want to get to as many as I can. And I said at the top of the show, we're not doing the beef segment at the top of the hour, meaning there's less real estate, there's less runway. Get in, get out. That guy could have done that song, and I appreciate the song, bro. Thanks. But you could have done that song any other segment during the week. Why did you drop that in the beef segment? It's supposed to be a rapid-fire segment. And the fact that I have to keep stopping and explaining it makes it even less rapid-fire. Tommy, in Detroit. Tommy, what's your beef? Yes, bro. My beef is with Lions fans who are blaming Dan Campbell. We got it last. It's not his what happened there, Alvin? Phone quality. What good is a beef if you are swallowing your phone? Matt in Alaska has done this before. I trust that he could get us back on path. Matt in Alaska... My dude, what is your beef? Jimmy, what's going on, my man? You know, I'm not really one to complain too much about the weather, but today I got a beef with myself. Ten years ago, I made a decision to move to Alaska, and today I woke up at negative 37 degrees. That's 89 degrees difference from where you're at in Southern California. You know, life's about choices. Sometimes you got to own the bad ones. That's all I got, Jimmy. I'm out. Good. Nice job. Thank you very much. Back on path. Matt in Alaska, 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Vince in the ATX. Vince, good to have you. What's your beef? Romy, que pasa, senor Rome, from the ATX. Listen, this horns down has got to go. Lifetime Texas Longhorn fan here. We don't care. The fact that you do it when you're not even playing Texas, the horns down, we means we live rent-free in your feeble minds. Out of here, hook them. Aggies love sheep. <laughs> All right, Vince, nice job. 1-800-636-8686. You like it or you don't. You feel disrespected or you like it because you're living in their brains, in their domes, rent-free. Which one is it? Let's keep moving. Let's go to Oregon. Robert in Oregon. Robert, good to have you. What's your beef? Oh, man, Rome. Thanks for taking my call. Look, I, I go into these drive throughs you know, like a barista drive through or whatever, McDonald's, and I, they say, can I take your order? I say, yeah. And they say, perfect. And I wonder what's so perfect about saying yes. Then I say, I want a medium. And they go, oh, perfect. What's this new word they're using? Perfect. Everything's perfect. 
I think it's awesome. Thanks. Oh, no. Actually, you think it's perfect. I don't know. I, I've never experienced that same thing. Is perfect a new thing? Is perfect slang for... I don't know. I've never heard that. This is weird. Is that a Gen Z thing? Perfect. Can I take your order? Yes. Perfect. I would like to supersize that. Perfect. I would like a nitro. Perfect. I'll tell you what's not perfect. This segment. Let's try Eric in the South Side. Eric, what is your beef? My beef is with Chuck freaking McDowell. You know, that timeshare guy that's always on the radio going, you don't know how much they're going to cost and when it's going to end. I've been waiting for weeks and weeks to see if this ad is ever going to end, and they don't. You know what, Charles? I have a timeshare in Kanapali, and the experiences and memories created with those I love and love me the most are priceless. In fact, Chucky, I have two timeshares. That's true for me. Yeah, that's a Jim. That's a jungle Tourette's trigger right there, Jim. So anyway, you know what that is, Eric? That's a jungle Tourette's trigger right there. Not a very good call. When I've had enough of you or anybody else, I run you, jungle Tourette's. Sorry, dude. I'm glad that you're happy with your timeshare. I really am. I'm glad that your timeshare is working out for you. My man Chuck McDowell, though, can give you 30,000 other examples of people that are trapped or think they're trapped and are pissed, and it's a cash cow or a cash pit, I should say, and they want out, and they have nowhere to turn, and they find Chuck. So, dude, good for you. That's good. I'm sure you love that thing right now. I'm sure you've had amazing memories in Kanapali. Good. Congrats. Wait till you try to get rid of it, my dude. Then Chuck will be the first guy you have on speed dial. Wesley Financial Group. Remember them. Toll free. They have a timeshare exit kit for free. You'll be needing them at some point. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Texas. Chris, good to have you. What's your beef? Yeah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My beef is with that geriatric jabroni Jerry Jones. Speaking as a Cowboys fan, I'm sick of his everyday off-the-wall idiocy. I'm out. Thanks. Good job, man. That's all it takes. That's all it needs to be. That's a beef. I'm sick of geriatric Jera and his everyday off-the-wall idiocy. I'm out. Geriatric jabroni Jerry, actually. It's not that hard. Well done. Let's go to Sacktown. Ryan in Sacktown. <laughs> Ryan, what's your beef? Jim, man, this thing. Let's get it back on track, everybody. Jim, my beef is with every Delta Bravo that drops the line, quote unquote, don't worry. I'm clean. War, Mark in Hollywood being the jockey of your new horse. I'm out. 
How rich is it that Ryan and Sacktown is the one who's going to get it back on track? Oh, Ryan, you're the last guy that I would expect to get this thing back on track. And you didn't, of course. Let's go to Pismo Beach. Joe, good to have you. What's your beef? Actually, it's Jeff, but that's okay. No, it's not. Not for you, it's not. You don't like that car. I don't like that car. There's a rule. Not a very Even if you're right, you're still wrong if you correct the host. Not my rule. I know you think I'm a D-bag for that. It's Alvin's rule. Alvin and I have talked about it. I've tried to talk him out of it. I've tried to change the rule. Alvin will not relent. Alvin will not change the rule. If we get your name wrong and we're wrong and you correct me, you will get run. I know. It makes no sense. It's just a rule. See? You're Joe. You're not Josh. So if, for instance... Your name is Josh, and we think your name is Joe, and I say, hey, Joe, what's your beef? Roll with it, unless you want to get run. Don't correct the host. Alvin's rule. Let's go to Charleston. Eddie, good to have you. Eddie, what's your beef? I have me wrong. My problem is with, I heard Jim Nance say it on the football production Saturday night, with people that call the outside ground the floor. That's it, Jim. I've had enough of it. Bye. Okay. I like that. I mean that that that's a guy with the beef. Uh, he's like the floor is inside. The ground is outside. Your lawn is not the floor. His take. The floor and ground. The carpet is the floor, not the ground. The ground is outside. I've had enough of it. Out. The ceiling is the roof and the floor is the ground. What an odd beef segment. Quickly, Jordan in Arkansas. Jordan, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef is with that whiny little bitch in Texas that says he can't handle the horns down. Well, guess what? When you come into the SEC next year, all you're going to get is horns down. War, Emus, and the boys dominating you every year you come and play at Bud Walton and when we come and play in your trash-ass stadium. And uh, War, uh, Chuck McDowell, learning how to say client instead of client. I'm out. <laughs> Y'all can get off of my man Chuck anytime you want. He's providing a service. There are many people stuck in timeshares. It's keeping them up at night. They want out. Chuck is trying to help you. Why won't you let him? Uh-oh. Oh! I can't hear you. Dude, dude, now, now, now. Yo, 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 sorry about that. Here I am. What's going on? Here Welcome are. to the jungle. I am Jim Rome. A tremendous Monday to you. What? You don't want three hours of lust for life? For life. You don't want that on loop? Hey, don't mind me. I'm messing with my new uh, headset here. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's get at it. Yo, D, I really hate to say this, but I do not think that you're going to enjoy this show today. Then again, I don't think you're going to enjoy much of anything today, right? Yeah! The Lions come up empty on fourth down in plus territory. You got to get your heart ripped out. 
Which we did. I know. This is what got them there. Except for one thing. What got them here did not get them there. Oh, you know what? I think we might have bit off for too much kneecaps. We might want to give them back something. Chico Capadia joining us. But if I'm a Lions fan, I cannot get over how you let that game slip away. I am pissed, Jim. I need to scream. Before the game, a ladybug landed on my suit. Ladybug? That's crazy town. A butterfly would have been more believable. Down the middle, back of the end zone. No, no. It's intercepted. I'd even go as far as to say as the Ravens picked the worst day to have their worst day. Offense number 76. Credit for staying in the fight. Save your Peter Brady takes. I don't need him. Or Amber putting on a blue suit and uh, doing a dance in the next Jan commercial. Oh, dude. That's a cheap shot, dude. Hey, they had us in the first half, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they had us the first half, I'm not gonna lie. Get out of here with your smack, bro. You are the jungle tryhard. I mean, they talk about, he's a five-tool player. You know what, bro? You are a hundred-tool player. You, you maxed out, you know? Ah! Grant, go back to golf for a minute. You don't have time for golf or you're not good at golf? All of the above. <laughs> I got you. And the fact that it is the great equalizer. Diarrhea is the great equalizer. Kumar. What's up, Kumar? How are you? Hey, Jim. Kumar, California. Just doing a ride share right now. Um, I just want to say... Why are you making this so hard? Dan Campbell deserves every bit of opprobrium. Opprobrium? Dude, Brian Weber is reaching for his dictionary. Yeah, I know. I know, clones. Just like Commander fans, you also are huge fans of Mike McDonald, too. Signed, Yacht Rock Loose. Not a very good day for the district. You know about Ron? Charvarius Ward. Where do you come out on Steve Wilkes? I mean, I love Coach Wilkes. Everybody else hate him, you know, um, the media. And a lot of people hate on Coach Wilkes for some reason. But, man, I love him. Like, all the players, um, we love Let's him. Let's go to Bob in L.A. Hey, Bob, what's up? Hey, Jimbo. Bob in L.A. Well, I can't give you any <laughs> Not you, Bob. Like, Devontae, who do you think is the best? Best receiver in the game right now? AJ Brown. AJ, what about you? Uh, I'm going to have to give a knock to uh, Justin Jefferson. Hey! Who's got it worse than us? I'm doing good, Romy. But no, I'm not because I'm from Oakland. The only In N Out burger that's ever closed <laughs> anywhere, ever. We got losers in basketball, baseball. But we, we're, we're good at this. We're not Buffalo. We're not Philadelphia. We know how to lose. Sacramento's got a way worse than everybody. We're stuck with Brian. <laughs> no city is more depressing than Erie, PA. We only have one airport that has two flights a day the red eye and the other red eye. Our beaches are full of rocks to cut your feet on. And then when you get to wash them in E. coli ridden water. If you want to be a fucking dick about it. Way to go, Doc. You're on two now as a coach. Maybe you ought to take up celebrity golf. What's your beef? My beef, sobriety. But I didn't call to give you no crap. I just called to preach my gullible rap. This horn's down. He's got to go. That's a jungle Tourette's trigger right there, Jim. Anyway. Jungle Tourette's, sorry. Geriatric jabroni Gary Jones. Joe, good to have you. What's your beef? Actually, it's Jeff, but that's okay. No, it's not. War uh, Chuck McDowell. Chuck is trying to help you. Why won't you let him? Dan, Dan Marino, Marino. Jeff Hostetler. Kerry Collins. Tim Tebow. Mira Sorvino. Mira Sorvino. Frankie in South Carolina. Yes, sir. So appreciate you, Jim. Tony. Office number four. Had us in the first half, not going to lie. War, lady clones, and yep, yep. You're f***ing <laughs> kicking tea. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Thanks, Jim. Live from, from room California. six at this the Bunny the Ranch, Jim it's the Jim Rome Show. By the way, die, uh, Jerry. Perfect. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks, Jim. The spot that you'd like to go to occasionally, uh, Xavier's. <laughs> Good night now!
Good night now!